1: It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm. Back to the show. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast, bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know, and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net/cospodcast. Consequence Podcast Network.
2: Hello, you wonderful people out there. I am your host, Leo Phillips, and this is another edition, the second edition of This Must Be the Gig of 2019. That sounds so weird. It's your little backstage pass to the world of live music. And every week, I tell you that every week we bring you a fascinating conversation. And it's all about the entire world of live music and performance and focusing on lots of festivals and choreographers, comedians, actors, musicians, really anybody just like us who's completely obsessed with getting their brain smangled and their heart pumping and thumping like a, a dryer with shoes in it and uh, anyone really obsessed with live music the way we are. So before we dig into this week's wonderful episode, let's check in with our constant companion here at TMBTG Studios, Engineer Adam. Hello.
1: Speaking of shmangled.
2: Shmahangangled.
1: How about this week we've been having? It's been a crazy one.
2: No, you're getting right in there. Yeah, It's, <laughs> yeah, true. it's been nuts. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody one. For best drama at the Golden Globes.
1: That was exciting. Um, I haven't seen it yet, to be honest.
2: I don't know. I think that they would have won either way. I feel like it's the type of movie that would have won even if it was shitty.
1: It's got that prestige.
2: You know what I mean? And they went for it. Uh, Also, going for it was Lady Gaga, who wore a periwinkle dress, who we all love, (laughs) and ate fruity pebbles (laughs) in bed with her Golden Globe, like all of us do.
1: That's what I did this minus weekend. Minus the
2: Golden Globe, minus the Periwinkle dress. I just eat Fruity Pebbles. Oh, well, I had or the... Or dr- actually I, minus the Fruity Pebbles. I, I had the eat.
1: Golden Globe too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What, what is your Golden Globe?
1: Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy, 2012.
2: Oh, right. okay. I thought you were going to say 2030. And I was like, wow, you're hopeful.
1: Time (laughs) traveling.
2: Yeah, time traveling. You have a lot of ambitions. You better go (laughs) back to school. What else came out in the world of music? The Bonnaroo 2019 lineup was announced. You've got Solange, Fish with a PH. So much fish.
1: So So much much fish. fish. I think there were three separate Fish sets on that lineup.
2: How do we feel about that?
1: Good for Fish fans. (laughs) They'll enjoy it.
2: Sure. I feel like they needed to do it because they were like, ooh, let's go for everybody uh, that is current and trendy and that is so fantastic in the world, but we're not so confident. Let's put in fish. I mean,
1: that'll sell tickets no matter when, no matter where you put fish playing multiple nights, you will sell tickets.
2: I'm just happy that Lonely Island and Casey Musgraves, who had one of my favorite albums from last year, and Cardi B. And the national. And then, speaking of obviously Casey Musgrave, she'll be on the at Governor's Ball as well. They also announced their lineup. I don't know if anybody saw that.
1: We're really in the heart of festival lineup announcements.
2: I mean, that's just what that's just this year. It basically is a precursor of your year. So, if you feel exhausted already, this is why it's because you thought you could come off from your Christmas holiday and be relaxed and get into the year. But this way, they're like, no, this is all the things you need to do and you can't (laughs) relax. You have to buy tickets and spend every single cent that you do not have.
1: Good news is that it makes it feel like it's almost summer.
2: That's true. I mean, look at the lineup. Let's look. The Governor's Ball lineup has obviously the Strokes, which is pertinent for our tat today.
1: We'll get back to
2: that. Lil Wayne, Scissor... Some amazing 1975 who I love watching live and shooting one of the best bands live, I have to say. And uh, Florence and the Machine, who we all know I'm... Uh, a stan. A, a little bit of a stan. <laughs> yeah. Vince little Staples bit of a stand, is going to be who's there. Who's also so fantastic Nas and For the then, hip-hop heads. Oh, and then you were telling me today about the Mexico City uh, Festival. Talk to me about that.
1: Ceremonia Festival.
2: Okay. Festival? Yes. I'm gonna give it the festival. It it feels like it deserves that flair. It sounds amazing.
1: I mean, are are you going it is. It's April sixth in Toluca, Mexico. Okay. You're gonna go to a festival headlined by Massive Attack and Apex Twin.
2: I'm gonna That's just right up your alley. I feel like I'm gonna go. I feel like I'm already there.
1: And then you've got other great acts, uh Tronada, Trinata, Mode Selector, Rosalia.
2: I feel like I've also never heard of it. Is this this, is this the first year? To
1: be honest, it's the first time that I've heard of it. So either they've they're brand new or they're really. I love
2: how uh, uh, arrogant my brain works in that I'm like, oh, I've never heard of it. Obviously, it's the first year could be happening.
1: I think it's more just that it's such a crowded field of so many festivals and how are you going to keep track of all of them?
2: And also, April's kind of a good time to go to mexico i've always said that (laughs) i have no reason (laughs) i'm just gonna tell you it's a good time uh in other news we saw today saint Vinny, who we love uh is producing the new
1: sleater kinney one of my all-time favorites
2: what's your favorite song what's your favorite album Mm. because this is going to be a new album
1: i think dig me out it's hard it's hard to beat um but they're just the woods also incredible they went out on such a high note, and then you're like, Oh wait, no, we didn't go out. We came back with even better material.
2: I feel like Carrie Brownstein's just gonna be like, What do you think of this? And Annie's gonna turn around and be like, What about <laughs> and she's gonna add more guitars.
1: And then Janet it's Weiss is
2: impossible.
1: Janet Weiss is gonna go back to tweeting about the Portland Trailblazers and being my hero. <laughs> She is one of my favorite drummers. I love her.
2: And if anyone has seen them live, let's ask people. When did we see them? I know we saw them, was it 2015? I believe so. 2015 at Primavera I Sound was, Festival in Barcelona.
1: I was lucky enough to see them perform one of their very last shows before their initial hiatus at oh, Malapalooza right. back in the day, which was mind-blowing.
2: When was that? Do you remember?
1: Oh, boy. 2000 that old? and... Nine, maybe. So
2: sassy today. Yeah. Why do you love watching them live?
1: I think that each of the three individuals just brings their own energy and passion. No one better or more Mm. intense or intangible than the other. But which is the best? Totally unique. And then they all fuse together Mm. in a Voltron of rock greatness.
2: You heard it here first, kids. You get ready for a Voltron of rock greatness. Um, speaking of great, today on the show we have Albert Hammond Jr., the Strokes guitarist, who is a true, I think, New York City rock icon. I mean, you say the name Strokes, you say Albert Hammond, anything having to do with them, Screams New York. And it was a really fascinating time to spend a little while looking back on his career, who he was when seeing Bowfinger with Julian before the first ever Stroke show, who he was when the Strokes broke onto the scene in 2002, who he was when he opened for Smashing Pumpkins, and who he is today after releasing his latest solo album, Francis Trouble, and really uh, how he's pushed boundaries within his own musical self and he is open enough to chat about it and and explore that and explore the process as well and how he worked obviously with other songwriters to really hone in on his craft
1: I really love the part of the chat where he starts to talk about people he specifically wanted to work with he reached out to Carol Kay he reached out to Topper those are some big names and you know if you're you're thinking about wanting to hang out in Brooklyn and wandering around in leather jackets and jeans (laughs) who better than albert hammond
2: i mean so risque fashion risque leather jacket and jeans but it was a really wonderful chat and i'm so excited that it's our first interview of 2019 we're hitting we're hitting the road hard and if you haven't listened to his album and you are on itunes right now streaming or on spotify or on google play or on any of the aforementioned podcast realms, just switch over after this chat and listen to the album. It's an easy switcheroonie.
1: I love an easy switcheroonie.
2: I mean, that's all you got to do, a Voltron of easy switcheroonies.
1: And then in the meantime, also... Rate and review us on wherever that aforementioned podcasting platform is.
2: The part of the podcast we hate talking about. I is love it. Asking you to.
1: I love it. I'm I, just going to. I
2: really feel vulnerable asking people to rate us just because I feel like they do enough by just getting up in the morning. I you agree. Know, times are tough.
1: But I think they can do it.
2: I think they can do it. So basically, what it does, you can tell them.
1: Basically. rating and reviewing the podcast helps more people find us helps us continue to get you these amazing conversations so
2: don't be stingy and keep us to yourselves
1: give that five star rating review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast and
2: spread uh, us around
1: leave your review as a a story of the first concert you ever went to Mm -hmm. or tell us about the time you saw the Strokes. Yeah. Or tell us about the time you saw Slater Kinney. Or. Or tell us about the time you saw Bowfinger. Tell us about the time you saw Albert Hammond Junior. Whether in a grocery store or on a stage, we want to know about it.
2: Don't want to know you're creepy looking through his windows. No, 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 not we never stalking want to know him, those.
1: But if you happen to run into him, at tell
2: us those stories. A
1: bodega. <laughs> tell me.
2: So New York. I know. So this is me and Albert. Enjoy. <laughs> You're based in New York, though.
0: I'm based in upstate New York, yeah.
2: Oh, right. Okay. My, my home. Your <laughs> home is
0: two hours from the city.
2: <laughs> I mean, that must feel quite nice because the city is, I've, I've only been a couple of times, but the city is pretty crazy. I don't know. Many, 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 yeah. Humans. I mean, I, I
0: lived, I lived in, the, in the city for 18 years. Wow. And, uh, I just, after touring, I, I ended up being in the city like for eight weeks. Mm. out of the year and so it just felt uh it felt like oh let's just try living upstate I didn't think I'd like it so much I was worried it was gonna feel too isolating but uh it's been amazing to be honest I don't since I, I think since I travel so much the quietness and the solitude and mm. everything be- becomes uh I don't know something very very nice as opposed to overwhelming
2: right and I and I always can imagine that especially as an artist and as a creative you always want to kind of squirrel away and work on your work as opposed to having a lot of distractions and or anything that can you know negatively affect your work so being a little further away and having that solitude i can only imagine has been really good for your creativity i don't want to assume that but i, mean, I can only imagine i always
0: i try to base things I try to base things off of just what's good for, for life. You know, okay, work is, <laughs> right. Is a, it's yes. work, work is a part of life. It's a big part. I mean, creating is a big part, not even as my work. It's just uh, mm. something that's good for my brain. But... Uh, you know, I can be quite lazy, so I could be in the country or the city and find distractions. So. Right.
2: <laughs> I mean, I totally hear You'd be hear surprised. You. No, I, I hear you. I feel like, especially because of the state of the world, I sound cliche saying that, but there is so much that I find I'm needing to be stimulated by in order to escape a little. So I don't know if it's laziness as such. I'm sure it's just. I don't know, especially just maybe on my side, but I just need, I need podcasts, I need shows, I need Netflix, I need, you know, books. There's just, I need to distract my brain a lot. I don't know if you feel the same.
0: Sure, I mean, yeah, no, I feel, I can even know, I I do that just for like talking with myself sometimes. So it's just just, the pace of life is is satisfying because it brings you back to... It brings, you, it, it brings you back to a little more closeness with, with what you exist in. You know, you're right, right around nature. You rise with the sun. I don't know, there's something really just uh, magical with being around nature.
2: I, I agree. I think that a lot of people find it, uh, they're just so quick to box that into, oh, you're being, you know, too spiritual or you're being too, uh, we, you know, we call it kind of flighty. Or hippie ish but the truth is, like just even putting your like feet in soil. I grew up around the sea, and it sounds like you did as well, uh, and around you know mountains and things like that. It really does center you, you know. Uh, water is ionizing as well, you know. It sets your body into balance. So I totally, I totally understand sure. that. But did you find though that you know you said now that life. Uh, it's important for life to be that way, not only creativity to have that break uh, from the madness. Well, I just mean
0: that, I mean that you're, you're, you're more than just your, your work. Your work. I think totally. that's, the problem. I that's hear the you. problem in society. You become, you know, you will tend your to you become your work. And I, I don't think that's, that's true. You know, you have it, you're born with intrinsic value and there's things that you need to, you need to, to divide life more than just more than just work it's the same thing like a relationship you wouldn't mm. you wouldn't try to get everything out of your partner you know you try to get some out of your partner some out of friends some out of family some out of you know your alone time and i think it's important to divide of
2: course uh,
0: life like that and work yeah. and work as another thing for it I, it's actually i feel like it's made me more creative to to allow my brain to go into other spots of enjoyment and not and not just try to. Um, there's this romantic quality, or stories you hear of like if you like work, you know, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: sit, yeah, just sit in your work sit and in the like work and you know, tortured
2: artists. Yeah, no, I, I, it really yeah. resonates, and I feel quite, uh, I feel quite inspired that you're saying that, and that may may sound but that's self
0: torture, self torture. Yes. I don't think yeah. that's, I don't think that that's like being stuck in the creative moment and being like, mm. you know, that's just like a, a, I feel like those people that were tortured like that just had, you know, they were a little chemically imbalanced, mm. like, which is fine. No, yeah. But I, that was the, absolutely. no one really spoke about it back then.
2: But do you, do you feel like this, and this might sound like a strange question, I suppose, but do you feel that this clarity has come for you personally because of your experience? Because you have a very public life in terms of the work that you do it goes out to a listener people know what you do they can research you online so do you feel like having that public persona and having the experience of being who you are in your life do you feel like that's given you a little bit of clarity of like fuck that i'm not gonna put everything into work i need to focus on my family on other things not just you know the work that you do and the work that you're churning out
0: uh, I mean, it's come from many, from many sides. I mean, I wish I could say that I thought of it, but I had this, this, uh, you know, mentor, therapist, second father, uh, and we, we would, you know, he kind of like, you know, taught me, taught me again as an adult things, and uh, you know, I had to put things in, into practice, and it's, you know, it's not a you, you, it's a thing you can forget, you know, Mm. constant things that you try. It was just, you know, you reach a point where you're confused by things or suffocated by them, or, or I I don't know, just don't want to do them. And, and he gave me an outlook that, uh, that with my mind helped find a new definition of, of where I was and and Mm. the future and, and, you know, how to, how to move forward and, and grow. And so that's, I don't know. I don't know if that has to do. I imagine every step I took, you know, life is a series of baby steps, you know. Absolutely. It, it, you know, it, nothing is like two things. It's like a million things happen <laughs> to get to yeah. one spot.
2: Absolutely. You know, that's why I it's know. so hard
0: to describe it. Yeah. It, it, had I not mm. found this route, I would not be creating like I am now. That's. Mm. That's for
2: sure thank you I know that it was such an open-ended question I think I'm just always wondering about it especially when you are because you know it's confusing right when you're younger you're like I gotta go 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 you need you to cultivate this career you got to go fast and then when you slow down a little when you've kind of cemented your mark and your signature in whatever industry, then you're like right, you you're almost given a rite of passage to relax a little and slow down and then your work actually becomes better but when if you were told that's that when you were younger though. you would never do that when you if somebody told you listen just slow that slow down you'll get then you I mean when i was younger i would never do that you know and it's just so crazy to think that in well, later yeah, in life why, yeah
0: that's the same, you know the youth of, youth is wasted on
2: (laughs) young (laughs) but uh, but I I don't feel feel like I don't feel like
0: (laughs) I don't feel like I've slowed down work or anything I feel like I work more
2: cleverly now and I
0: definitely don't don't feel like oh relaxed because of something I've done in the past Mm. that's what's funny about having done stuff is you can't live with what you've done because then you don't a creative mind doesn't sit that way it sits in in Mm -hmm. the moment and it's always just like it's just like you've reached another step and grown so that you can you can do even better stuff so you don't if i sit back to stuff i've done it just it's the death of creating
2: Mm -hmm. i I know live in nostalgia yeah
0: nostalgia isn't for creators nostalgia is for for fans
2: Absolutely, and I think that's why I almost have a. I struggle because my show is based on the dichotomy between having nostalgia as a creative and also being very forward-motioning because that is what a creative does. You're thinking about the things of now and how it will affect your work and your going forward. And so it's strange because... I love speaking to people about the things that have affected them, but I'm also very cognizant of the fact that it sometimes isn't okay to go back into into your, you know, the little pockets of your mind and your the little mi- milestones. So it's it's kind of a strange feeling, but obviously for you, well, it's okay to yeah. revisit
0: them. Yes, it's okay to revisit them. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't. Uh...
2: You, you don't know, live there. I don't
0: live. It's the yes. same way. I, you can't really look. If you look at the future too long, you can just get scared to death because of there's just so much unknown. You look too far in the past and you just, you no longer do anything, you know? Mm. So it's like, it's just, you know, it's things you can, you look at for, for just a little bit of time, but on a daily, you know, on the daily, I don't, I don't think about it. I feel, I, I don't feel any. Uh, achievements besides what I've you know I I just finished writing some songs that I'm going to record to put out next year and I'm that's exactly where I am is on Mm. those is on that that's about as as, as nostalgic as I get that's
2: that's really exciting though are you but how how often do you write though in terms of knowing that that's going to go somewhere do you do you do you know that that's going to be released as a as an album or do you have any sort of idea where the songs are going to go is it just flowing
0: it was an unknown un- unknown right now the, the idea was to make a uh, a record but also to you know maybe just release three new songs mm. and put a new song uh, bring a new song to radio uh this this album cycle was the first time that i i got into the top 40 of, of rock alternative radio. I went into I think number number Come 22, back. and so the idea of bringing another song sooner before the year cycle of the the record and before I do my last tour in the in the spring of it, um, you know, it seemed fun to do that. But uh, I don't know. Writing is is constant. It's sitting down to actually like record and flush it out just kind of happens when you have when you have breaks i guess
2: Mm. i know that you mentioned that you had a mentor that you've worked with and it's almost like a muscle you're having to make sure that you can balance a lot of different things and your focus across things but then when you're on tour, how much patience do you need for yourself in order to give yourself time to also focus on the tour and take breaks or do you when you're on tour you just know you're going to be on for a few weeks and then you can switch off how, how do you really balance that
0: the balance really becomes it's kind of boring it's just you have to you know take care of yourself like it's a job and just focus all your all your entertainment and the energy and all your whatever you know joy you're trying to get out of a, out of a day comes in that hour and a half and mm-hmm. so you pace to get that you know you're constantly recouping or, or 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 slowing down in other areas to spend all your energy there and when you when your joy comes in in the form of entertainment then that becomes fun because that's your that's your 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 job i think from the outside you know you see it when people come see you on tour you know they think it's just uh <laughs> yeah know. That's it you're just like whatever you're on you you're on vacation <laughs>
2: yeah, I think that there's just this romantic ideal about touring still that is quite amazing to have because there's this kind of great romance in how bands used to tour. but I think as you just said, there are so many misconceptions about touring, especially when you are well the
0: romance the romance comes in the form of a story, so mm. it's like when you watch a movie and they, and it's dramatizing someone's life cause you got two hours to do it. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the reality, if you were watching a movie and they, you know, and you had to sit through, you know, two weeks of the movie to, to gain, you know, being on the road and traveling, it, it's, it's a little different. I think people live in, it's fine. It's just, they live in storytelling and they live in, in, uh, in that, in that, in that romance, mm-hmm. but in, in the day to day, this that doesn't, that's, That's not sustainable. It's the same way like when you meet someone in a relationship, it's not sustainable the, the, you know, not being yourself.
2: Mm. (laughs) No, right. And I love that you're comparing uh, relationships, uh, the relationship to a relationship and your relationship to obviously the work that you do because there are so many similarities of how you uh, interact with it.
0: It's just easy to base it. It's, it's thematically universal
2: totally, so, totally no matter exactly. who you yeah
0: no matter who like what kind of partner you like everyone understands the meeting of a stranger um being a certain person with them and then finally having to be you know like uh, breathe out and be like all right well can you live with this Is this yeah. is me in the long term and I think mm. I think everyone understands that and so I I'm just noticing now that you know, even when I tell a story of the tour, it it, it would sound it sounds different than the actual experience. And don't of don't course. get me wrong, it's great. There's not one zero complaint about it. But but this it's like anything else. You know, it has it'll have it, its its ups and downs.
2: But so then, when when was the moment when being a a musician, a singer, guitarist, when did it feel like something that could actually happen for you? Do you, do you remember that moment where you were like this is exactly what I need to be doing?
0: I mean, I still question that. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know, I still don't I yeah, I still don't feel like that's uh set in stone for me f- for sure. Mm. Uh Well, when I when I was younger and I saw this musical called Buddy, Buddy Holly's story. Yeah. Um I couldn't I couldn't believe. I was just blown away that, you know, was on stage and performing and writing songs. And, and I guess maybe you're just more of a character than I had I had seen. I don't know what it was. I just fell in love with that idea. And then, you know, just slowly you see other bands and then you start to have, you try to have this belief that that's what you want to do and you just keep, I guess the, the the secret really is just to, you have to love something so much mm. that you're excited even when you suck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Which is kind of what's yeah. fun about
0: finding new, new hobbies, you know, because you start to realize the the pattern, and it's good to do it. The older you get, too, is that you're not just inherently good. Mm. at something it takes time, and that that process, that journey, is actually very, very, very exciting.
2: Do you feel, though, that obviously growing up with a father like yours and, and a mum like yours and having that in your life when you're young, do you feel like that gave you a sense of confidence? I don't know if I want to use that word. Definitely but, not. Oh, really? Well, why? Wasn't it around you all the time, music and the idea of the industry? I don't know if that not. would
0: I, – I, 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 I mean, confidence is like – is a daily is built through uh exercise not uh not just sit and it's not just instilled you know it's a constant everyday thing when you when you're things present itself and you constantly have the choice to to build the confidence or or not i don't i don't it's not something that just because you're around it and if anything, my parents are definitely cool in the sense of you know having Parents, I felt like it was, you know, they, they allowed certain freedoms. I was also pretty good with not, since they gave so much freedom to not really break mm-hmm. it. So there was a good balance there, but I, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I didn't really want to play music when I was younger. I, I didn't really think about it. When I fell in love with it, it had little to do or nothing at all with my dad. The times that I went to the studio with him when I was younger, I unfortunately wasn't into music. I probably could have learned a lot, but I was just a kid and didn't really, I don't know, you know, just going to visit your dad. Just like the same way, you know, you look at someone has something and you're kind of like, you're like, oh, wow, what's that like? You know, someone's doctor, someone's dad's like a brain surgeon. Mm. He's like, yeah, whatever. I don't know, it's my dad, you know? So, no, I feel like I got, I was like a late bloomer. So when I, growing into my musical career, has kind of happened in my adult life, mm. you know, and especially finding myself in uh, a solo career has happened as I've been older and been and been on my own. So I don't. I, I've never really related the two. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I I personally have to just.
2: Yeah, I think just because it's an easy thing to connect from an outsider's perspective, just because of the breadth of the work that your father's done, the breadth of the work that you've done as well. Although it was, you know, over the course of a decade or so, it was so condensed with the strokes that it feels, you know, much like like it was across decades as well. So I feel like it's an elementary, uh, you know, connection to make, but... It's amazing to hear that you yeah, fell into no. it naturally. I mean, everyone,
0: everyone, everyone does it. I just, it more gets me to think about it. And I really, I don't know, parents are just, were just parents to me. You know, they just kind of like did the parenting thing and everything, like my discovery of stuff was...
2: You more know, natural. It felt yeah. Like,
0: it was well, it just felt like a rebellion. I don't think, I don't think my dad was really wanted me to play music or was like concerned. Yeah. You know. I mean, if anything that probably added to to me pushing harder because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough because the memory of it, too, is like I just feel like such – it's so hard to actually recall exact mm. feelings. I feel so far – it's like a different life. Yeah. And there's so much luck that's involved in life that's just insane.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. Do you, do you remember that first show that you played, though, and where, where it was? Because obviously I know that the Strokes – One of the Strokes' first shows were at the end of the 90s. I think it was 98 or 99.
0: It was 99 at the Spiral Lounge.
2: Do you remember that show at all? Like how it felt? Or or is there another show that's much more memorable than your first show?
0: No, no, I remember that show, of course. (laughs) uh, I remember it too just because, you know, I was nervous for like five days before.
2: Oh, really? Or leading up to it? Yeah,
0: I remember even... uh, For some reason, I remember even more than the show. uh, Julian and I went to go see... I think it was Bowfingers, like Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. (laughs) We went to go see it in the theater, and we couldn't even really pay attention. We We went to go to try to distract ourselves from feeling nervous, and we couldn't even really pay attention to the movie. I don't remember if that was, like, and then that night we played or if it was, like, the next day. But it was, like, it, was, you know, it was pretty crazy how much the nerves felt. And I remember that night, too. It was just, like, I kept thinking, like, what if my hands don't
2: <laughs> what if they
1: play don't the, the, the part.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I just think it's amazing because you, you also think, like, worrying for those five days and like, look how, look at your progression, you know, and, and you worried for those five days, which was so necessary. Like you were passionate about it clearly. So it makes so much sense that you. There's
0: no other way when you're breaking that, when you're breaking that barrier. I feel like any kind of growth is going to have to, to pass to the next level is going to have some form of, you know, let's call it, all intents purposes pain, even though it might not be the pain you're thinking of when you hear the word pain. But you know, it's some kind of uncomfortability. I don't think that's a word. Um, it is maybe it now. Is. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cemented. Uh <laughs> you know, so it's like um it's just i I've noticed it now. It happens to me now in things that I like to do. Um so I just couldn't recognize it then. Cause I had no reference points mm-hmm. I, and mm-hmm. it was I, the emotion, you know, you, but I've, I've felt it up until recently now, I feel like it's an important thing to keep feeling throughout your life because I think as you get older or especially if you're successful in something, you don't, you sit and you're like, okay, I don't have to feel that feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. Cause I've, I, I did it. I felt the feeling and then it worked out well. And now I don't need to do that anymore. I think that's, that's a, that's a mistake, you know, I, I, it's good for your, for your ego to shatter your ego, ego blocks a lot of, ego blocks all creation, mm. you know, that's the, <laughs>
2: Yeah, that I of a bitch. Don't yeah, well, there. I mean, totally, and especially because you're now, I, I feel like you've had such a busy year as well, with, obviously, since the release of, of France's Trouble, and I think that just the act of releasing an album is quite a big milestone. But then you've gone on to open for so many different bands. You've played in at Roskilde, which I love. And Splendor in the Grass is one of my favorite festivals as well. You've played Fuji Rock all over the world. And now on Friday? Is it Friday? Yes. This Friday you're playing with Smashing Pumpkins. So... How... Yeah,
0: in Chicago. That's
2: in pretty Chicago. amazing. And I'm... Yeah, I will come out and see that show. But is this something that... Like, I know you're speaking of ego, but are there any bands that you would drop everything for in order to tour with them? Is there any band that you've you've not uh, really collaborated with and or one you would love to?
0: Wow. I mean, there's there's so many... I mean, opening for yeah. I mean, there's so many factors that get involved. I don't even know how to just how to I I don't even think of it that way. But it. yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah. There's, there's probably tons of people who I'd like to, you know, even on this this next recording. You know, I was trying mm-hmm. to get uh, uh, Carol Kay to play bass, or I was mm-hmm. like seeing if like, you know, you know. Uh, topper from the clash or play drums or or uh you know, just like I was trying to see if I could get artists that I like to come the the songs had felt like it's it's stepped up even to another level where I could like have I felt comfortable having these people who I who I admire and mm-hmm. and trying to, to to record with them. So on that on that level for sure. Opening wise opening wise is just like for me, I don't know, you're just trying to figure out I don't know. Tons, uh, you know, so any band <laughs> you can imagine that,
2: yeah, big
0: that you'd want to, you know, play for.
2: I mean, uh, you know what's funny playing with, playing with
0: playing with this smashing yeah. pumpkins. Yeah, is that James E. Haw,
2: yes. um,
0: His label put out my first.
2: I know. I was gonna. Well, him
0: and, and I new know, line put out my first album.
2: Yeah. Did his guitar playing so... influence you as well and inspire you?
0: Yeah, I imagine so. I imagine, I I'm, nothing that, uh, it wasn't like, I don't know, it's hard to, yes.
2: I'll just say. <laughs> is there something that you feel you've yet to do? Is there something in your, you know, mind that you've always wanted to achieve that you feel like you're still working on? Which I know is a very open-ended and large question, but I think just because of listening to your music and, Watching what you've done, I can only imagine there's a lot milling about in that brain. So, is there anything you you really want uh, to, to do and accomplish? I mean,
0: everything. If not, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, mm. I still, I feel like I'm just now getting closer to to a songwriting level on that that side. Just now, I've discovered myself on stage, so that's just the beginning. You know where does it go from there? Mm. Um, in producing and writing with others is just started. So in the music world, especially with me alone, it's just it's just bubbling. My my goal ever you know when Prince Trouble was done was just like I saw myself playing in arenas, and so that was like that. I don't know how to not dream big. Basically, I don't know how to <laughs> good. you know That's I good I, I just. You know, I just don't. I I see me playing SNL. I see, you know, big tours and big shows and songs in the radio. And so that's just like that's just like how my brain mm. daydreams. And then, but the other side of it of actually doing songs, I I feel like I've I don't know that each each step was like a little uh, unknown, and it's a little more more known now, and it's a little more like I'm okay with saying that I'm a that I'm a good songwriter and like just hear the demos we we did recently and I feel like it's it's already in the shitty demo form it's already uh you know I, I just can't sometimes I can't believe that it that I've come up with these parts and these things you know and so it just that gets me excited of in the moment of just like where where things are going to are going to go you know but I still would like to produce yes I still like to write with other people in all in all kinds of uh categories not just mine you know i don't
2: you mean like screenwriting instance, working, or, or theater that no, i, I think that even thing. Even,
0: in, even in songwriting right. you know what i mean yes. like uh different people i feel like once you feel comfortable with what you're doing you can mm. cross over and do other things and see see how your what your style can bring to other people and then the the muscle of trying to write for them and not changing them you know whether you do it or not, having done that muscle, then when you come back to yourself, you're even stronger at you. So that that part excites me.
2: Yeah.
0: My best friend Gus Oberg, who I produce and work mm-hmm. with, and he's like my main like bouncing board for for ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, producing with him is amazing, and the the records that we did with uh, Dayglow and the View. Some of my my favorites, you know, Uh, so I'm just excited to see what kind of stuff we can do later on in life, too.
2: Absolutely. I think my best line, I remember from reading one of your interviews, but you said something about like, I feel like such a lucky asshole. And I was like, that is great. It's like a good way to feel because luck is often a lot of people say like, I feel lucky, but it's again, romanticized. Um, I do feel though, that a lot of your luck is, uh, you've put in a lot of hard work as well. So it's not just luck, but, um, Well, no, hard
0: work. That's the whole thing though. Is hard work is people always phrase it like that. I yeah. feel like hard work is maybe cause it's the word. It's just what's going to happen for you to feel good about where you are for you to grow it's what you can control it's the hard work so the hard work you put in is not like oh look at the hard work i put in it's just what what it what it is anything you do you're going to to get good at you're going to have to put in that work and then there's the luck involved is a separate beast right cuz you just don't you just don't know how things go and you don't have a lot of control of the timing and the thing and the outside things it, it, if you did, you'd almost not do the hard work. You would just focus on finding the people and telling them what to do, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. It, it, and the luck right. is also where you're born, what time you're born. I mean, there's a lot of factors, your genes that you have no control over. It's not something you need to get too deeply in, but it's just like you have to know it exists.